In the first six years, we've developed a very solid foundation. We've discussed why Hashem created the world. We've discussed the idea of greatness. We've discussed the concept of potential and actualizing potential. But now we have to take a step back and ask ourselves a very fundamental question, which is, who are we? What did Hashem create? If you think about it, it can be very confusing. We're told that we have a soul, we seem to have a body, we have emotions, we have an intellect, we have a memory, we have imagination. But if you're asked, who are you, what would you answer? It can be very complicated. Many people are confused. They don't even know who they are. And if our job in life is to become great and try to perfect ourselves, then we have to start by knowing who we are. We have to know what we're trying to perfect. The second question is a question which has troubled so many people, which is, how do you find your unique role in the world? How do you find your uniqueness? Many of us have this deeply ingrained feeling that we're we're unique, we're different, and yet many other people feel that there's nothing special about me, there's nothing unique about me. So, is it true? Are we unique? And if we are each unique, how are we supposed to find our uniqueness, and what's the purpose of each of our uniqueness? The third question is based on the Rambam in Hilchus Shuva, Parakei, Halachabes, which says something very, very interesting. It says that every person in the world can be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. And the first time anyone reads this halacha, they, they take a step back and they say, Really? Can everyone be as great as Moshe Rabbeinu? It doesn't seem to be true. If I maximize my potential... I really don't think I can be as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. So what does the Rambam mean when he says that everyone can be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu? And to take this question a step further, can everyone really be a tzaddik? Is, does everyone have the potential to be a tzaddik? The Gemara Anida, Daflamen Beis, says that when a fetus is about to be born, Hashem makes the fetus take a shvua that he's going to be a tzaddik. Now, is that really fair? Why are we all made to take a shvua to be a tzaddik? Can we all really be a tzaddik? Do we really all have this extraordinary potential? Is that really true? If you look around, if you look within yourself, do you really, really believe that everyone, that you, can be a tzaddik? Now, if you don't believe so, then how is it fair that you were made to take a shvua? And what does it mean? to be a tzaddik? That's the most important question. What do we mean when we say you can be a tzaddik? The last question is based on a previous year that we gave, which is that your experience in Om Haba is everything you create in the world. It's you. It's the person that you developed. It's the consciousness that you've developed, that you've created. It's the mitzvahs that you've earned and developed in this world. But is that really fair? Let's say a person is born with more potential than another person. Why should his Olam Haba be better than the person next to him just because he had more potential? Let's say a person is born into a home of a tzaddik, another person is born into a person of an irreligious home. Why should they both get what they earned in this world if one of them had clearly a much easier opportunity of becoming great? Why should you only experience what you developed and built in this world, it seems to not be fair. 
What if someone was given a better opportunity than someone else? How are we supposed to understand this concept of maximizing potential? So those are the questions. Those are the basic questions. Number one, who are you? Number two, how are you supposed to find your uniqueness? Number three, what does it mean to be a tzaddik? Why does the Ramam seem to say that everyone can be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu? And the last question is... How is this really fair? What if someone is born with more potential than someone else? Why should we only experience what we built and earned in this world if we're not all given the same opportunity? So this year is an absolutely fundamental topic. It's based on many very deep sources, including the Nefshachayim, the Ramchal, and the Tzadok. So let's start with trying to understand who we are. This is such an important question. Who are we? Now, many people think that we have an neshama, that we have a body, we have an intellect, we have emotions, and it can be very confusing, because who are we? Are we just a bunch of different things? What are we? So this can be one of the most important ideas that you've ever heard. And it's as follows. You don't have a neshama. You are a neshama. Now, let me try to explain what that means. When I say you are a neshama, I don't mean you're some spiritual force. When we say you are a neshama, you are a mind, you are a consciousness, you are an awareness. But this is what's very important. You are a neshama, but you have many different facets of you. So for example, you have thoughts, and you have emotions, and you have a body, but the root, the core of you... That would be a mind, that would be a consciousness, that would be a neshama. Now, let's try a very, very practical but very important exercise so that I can just try to show you how you already know this is true. So I want everyone to close their eyes. Everyone close their eyes. I know this is a little strange, but trust me, in order to really experience this, I want you to focus. So now close your eyes and concentrate. Now I want you to focus the spotlight of your awareness towards the front of your fingertips and the focus on the feel of your fingertips. Now I want you to focus on the feeling in your toes. Now I want you to focus on the feeling of the shirt against your back. And now I want you to focus on the fact that your back is leaning on the against of the chair or if some part of your body is on the chair. You have the ability to focus your body, to focus the attention and the feeling in your body. But you're not a body. You're controlling your body. You can pick your hand up in the air. You can pick your hand up down. And you can move your feet forward and you can walk backwards. You have control over your feet. Now let's take the next step. Let's do the intellect. I want you now to think about 1 plus 1 equals 2. Now I want you to think if you throw something up in the air, it's going to come down. So you can use your thoughts. You can use your intellect, but you're not an intellect. You are a soul. You are a consciousness, an awareness. You are a self. Now, emotion as well. Have you ever gotten angry, but as you're getting angry, you're aware of the fact that you're angry? And as you are doing something ridiculous, as you're losing control, as you're losing your temper, you're kind of thinking to yourself that this is really a bad idea, and you're saying, I'm going to really regret this. Have you ever been sad, and as you're sad, you're kind of aware of the fact that you're sad, and you're kind of thinking and talking to yourself as you're sad? Because you are beyond your emotions, but you can also use your emotions. So this is the main key to understanding yourself, is that you are a consciousness, you are an awareness, but you have an intellect, you have emotions, you have a body, and you can use those things. 
And within your body, you have five different senses which you can use. You can see with your eyes, you can smell with your nose, you can taste and speak with your mouth, you can hear and listen with your ears, and you can sense and touch things with your body as well. But you're not your senses, you can use your senses. For example, a good way of thinking of this is kind of like electricity. When electricity streams into a microwave, it can heat up things. When it streams into a refrigerator, it can cool things. So when you stream through your eyes, when you're using your eyes, you, you can see. When you're streaming through your nose, you can smell and you can breathe. When you're, when you're streaming through your mouth, you can breathe and speak and eat. When you're streaming through your ears, you can listen. But you are the one in control. It's you. For example, a person who doesn't have eyes, he just can't stream through his eyes. He can't see through eyes. But it's him that's seeing, but he's using his eyes. So that's a really important paradigm shift to just realize the hierarchy, to realize that you are an awareness, you are a soul, you're a mind, you're a consciousness. And now with this new deeper understanding, let's rediscuss the Gemara and Nida the Flama Beis and Abeis, which says that when a fetus is in the womb, it learns Kola Torah Kula with a Malach, and right before it's born, the Malach hits the fetus on the mouth and it forgets everything it learned. So our first discussion of this was that when you're in the womb, you learn Kola Torah Kula and you are at such a high level, and right before you're born, you lose it and your job is to re-earn it. But let's start to discuss what it means that you learn Kola Torah Kula. It means that you are on completely higher level, that you are aware of everything, that there's no illusion, that you see and understand are aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the highest possible level, and you know exactly who you are, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. What happens when you are born? The malach hits you on the mouth and you lose access to that awareness, to that higher consciousness, to that higher self. Now we can understand what are you doing in this world? You're supposed to be rebuilding what you once had yourself. So you're supposed to go through the world trying to find the Ennis, trying to learn the truth, trying to regain access to what you once were. And that's the challenge of free will. It's not easy that you have to choose to grow. You have to choose to become. But the key is that your root, your higher self, who you once were, who you're now re-becoming, is extraordinary. It's the perfect version of you. It's everything you're capable of becoming. If you have that attitude, then perfecting your character, developing your intellect, developing your emotional control, developing how you use your body becomes so much easier because you realize this is what you're meant for. This is what you're destined for. This is your purpose. It's like a beautiful muscle of a baby lion who was once separated from his parents. And a couple of days later, he was found by a flock of sheep. And his entire childhood, he was raised by these sheep. And he thought that he was a sheep. As he got older, he started to go, and he would eat grass, and he became very meek, and he became very small, and he thought he was a sheep, and his entire life he lived with the sheep. One day, years later, a pack of lions came and attacked the flock of sheep. They ate all of the sheep. And the leader of the pack came over to this lion, who by then had grown, and he was a fully grown lion. He came over to this, ba- this lion who thought he was a sheep, and he roared at him. And this lion who thought he was a sheep went, <laughs> and this big lion roared at him again. And this sheep lion just didn't know what to do. 
Then this big lion took a big piece of the sheep meat and threw it at this sheep lion. And the sheep lion was terrified. He would never eat his brother. He would never eat a sheep. Then the big lion took the sheep lion to the lake, showed the sheep lion a reflection of himself, and showed him who he really was. You're not a sheep. You're a lion. Wake up. You're not a small sheep. You're much greater than that. So it's an interesting muscle. What's the obvious nimshal? When you realize that you're not a body, but that you're in a shama, and you're so much more, you're so much greater than a body, you're so much greater than emotions, or even intellect, that you're beyond, you have all of those, those are all facets of you, but you're in a shama, you're a chilek elokim al, you're built b'tselem elokim, that's what we mean b'tselem elokim, that you are godly, you have this extraordinary root, all this potential, you were learning kola tarakul in the womb, but now you're in this world, to become, to maximize that potential, to actualize that potential, and to manifest yourself in this world as the person that you were meant to be. So now that we know who you are, that you are an Ashama, which is so, so fundamental to understanding all of Machshavas, to realize who you really are, now let's take a step further and try to understand what we're in this world to do on a more detailed and developed level. The first principle is to understand that every neshama, every person, you, were given a unique role and a unique character. Which means that you were born into a specific family, a specific time in history, with unique and specific abilities and talents. Imagine you were born a hundred years in the past. Or imagine you were born a hundred years in the future. Or imagine you were born to a different family, you look different, or you had different capabilities. No. You were born now, at this time in history, in this family, with this specific role. And you were given unique talents which you are meant to actualize and develop. And if Cook goes on to say that everything in your life is here to help you fulfill your potential. Which means that your body, your psychological clothing, your intellectual capabilities, your imagination, your memory, your emotions, your personality... The family you're given, the time period, the school you went to, the community you're in, all your different social influences, everything in your life is here to help you become the person you're meant to become. Everything external was given to you. That's not your free will. But as the Gemara explains, Hakol bidei shemaim chutz shemaim. Hashem decides your circumstances, but you get to choose whether or not you're going to fulfill your potential. You get to choose whether or not you're going to manifest and express and actualize your potential. You get to choose whether or not you're going to have awe of Hashem. Live a life of truth. The U.S. Hashem is not fearing Hashem. It's living in awe. It's living the truth. It's choosing good over bad. It's asserting your free will and becoming the best person you can become. But if Cook goes on to say that even the challenges, all of the challenges that you face in your life, all of your ordeals, are there to enable you to become the person you're meant to become. We talked about this very briefly in the third shear, but this is such a deep idea, that all the challenges that we face are there to help us become the people we're meant to become. Now some people just try to wait until their challenges pass by and try to just get past their challenges. But those who have really become great will all tell you that they are who they are because they use their challenges. Their challenges made them the people they are today. And they thank Hashem for challenges. They don't ask Hashem for challenges, but in retrospect, they say, Baruch Hashem. 
So everything in our life are, are gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us, but it's just potential. We get to choose how to use it. Our job is to use everything we are, everything Hashem gave us, to become the very best that we can be. So your task in life is to become you. It's to become the person that you were meant to become. Your personal uniqueness. Now this is such an important topic. Each of us are unique. Even us, Each of us have very specific talents, very specific tools. And our job in life is to develop our unique talents, develop our tools, and to become the person that we're meant to become, and to use our talents to contribute to Klai Yisrael, to become part of something bigger than ourselves. That's our purpose. I like to think of it as sculpting a sculpture out of a giant piece of stone. You can take that piece of stone and kind of look around and say, oh, who should I be like? Who should I sculpt? But your job in life is not to look around and say, who should you be like? It's not to say, maybe if I do this, people will like me. Or maybe if I do that, people will like me. You're not supposed to be the person that everyone likes. You're supposed to become the person you were meant to become. To become the person you once were in the womb. The person you were in the fetus. The very best version of you that you can be. And the way I like to think of it is that you're not sculpting something random out of the sculpture. You're not looking around and saying, oh, this would look nice. You're already inside the sculpture. All you have to do is just move away everything else. It's to simply chisel away everything that's blocking you from being expressed. And you're simply manifesting what's hidden already in the sculpture. It's like a very interesting question you can ask yourself. Are we mirrors? Or are we becoming who we're meant to be? People who are mirrors are simply reflections of those that are around them. They don't become who they're meant to be. They don't think for themselves. They don't become creative and expressive. They simply become Play-Doh for everyone else to play with. They become a mirror, which just reflects that which is outside of itself. Your job is to find who you are, find who you're meant to be. The first steps of life are becoming self-aware, getting control of yourself, learning Torah, developing your mind, but then you have to become unique. You have to become you. You have to become the person you were meant to be. And that's why the journey of life is kind of like traveling by ocean. When you travel by land, you can just follow someone else's path. People leave paths behind. There are dirt paths. But on the ocean, there is no path to follow. You have to find your own journey because you're unique. You're special. You're not like everyone else. Now, obviously, you have to, there are some fundamentals which you have to follow by. You have to keep halacha, you have to be learning Torah, you have to have great midos. But your individuality, your uniqueness can only be found by yourself. And that's why the word aniyah, which means a ship, is the root, the root of aniyah is ani, the self, the I. Because you are like a ship traveling on ocean, traveling on water. There is no path to follow. You're the only you in the world. You can take advice from so many people, but the only way you, be, you can become the person you're meant to become is by trying to understand who you are, what your talents are. So you find your talents. You test yourself. Are you an artist? Are you a teacher? Are you good with mathematics? Are you good with people? Maybe you be a psychologist. Are you more of an intellectual? Are you more into deeper ideas, philosophy, machshava? Are you more into Gemara, halacha, machshava, musr, mishnah? Everyone has their topic, their uniqueness, things which they're drawn to. Finding what you are meant to contribute to Klai Yisrael and to the world. 
when you are on that journey, you're trying to develop yourself, you're trying to find how you can contribute to Israel, how you can make the world a better place, that's a real life of meaning and purpose. That's a real life of happiness. But here's something absolutely fundamental. When you're on this journey, you can't compare yourself to other people. You can't. Jealousy is ridiculous. You can't go around comparing yourself to other people because you're not like other people. You're different. Imagine a person has the potential to get a 70 on his test. That's his highest, his max. And he usually gets 60s. Another person, his potential is to get 100, but he usually doesn't study at all. He studies for five minutes before the test, and he usually gets a 99. Let's say a person studies for eight hours, this person whose potential is to get a 70. He studies for eight hours, and he gets a 70. And this other person, he studies for five minutes and gets a 99. Now, who's better? The person who got 70. Now, unfortunately, you might think that the person who got 99 is smarter. That's the society we live in. But in reality, the person who got 70 is better because your job in life is not to be better than other people. That's irrelevant. Your job is to become the best person that you can be. We all have different potentials. We all have different roles, different topkins. But your job is to become the best person that you can be. And that's what a tzaddik is. A tzaddik is someone who becomes what he's meant to be. This is based on Rechon Wasserman in Maimarim, which explains that a tzaddik is not a person who's great objectively. It's a person who manifests every ounce of potential that he has. Someone becomes the best person that he can be. Tzaddik is correct. Tzaddik is someone who lives the MS, lives the person that he's meant to be. That's why the, when the Rambam explains in Hilchus Truva that everyone can be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu, he means it. Everyone can become the best person they can be, just like Moshe Rabbeinu became the best person that he can be. And that's why in the Gemara Hanida, when it explains that right before a person's born, he may, he's forced to take a shvua that he's going to become a tzaddik, you're not supposed to become a gadol hador. It would be very nice, maybe you could be, but your job is to become the best person that you can be. That's what it means to be a tzaddik. And now we can understand something very, very deep. What does it mean to be an anav? What does it mean to be an anav? Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah itself says that Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest anav. Now, it seems to be almost contradictory. How can you be the greatest person who ever lived, like Moshe Rabbeinu, and also be the biggest anav? Because the simple understanding of an anav is wrong. An anav is not someone who puts himself down and says, I'm nothing. An anav is someone who realizes that he was given gifts, that all of his potential is given from Hashem, but that he is in this world to become the very best person he can be. So an anav never compares himself to anyone else because it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if I'm better than anyone. It doesn't matter if I'm worse than anyone. My job in here is not to be better than anyone else. It's to be the best person I can be. An anav doesn't compare himself to others. He compares himself to the person he was yesterday and says, am I better than I was yesterday? Am I growing? Am I becoming more? That's the depth of an anav. And that's why an anav is someone who's so likable, because he's never competing with anyone, he's never trying to be better than anyone, he's just on a journey of growth, and the deepest idea of being an anav is that you want other people to grow, because you realize that we're all in this world with a common purpose to become better and to perfect the world, to develop as a cloud. Not as individuals, to develop as a cloud. And therefore, when he sees someone else doing great things, he doesn't say, oh, I should be doing that. Or, oh, you know, I'm really better than that person. On the contrary, he says, Baruch Hashem. More people are doing great things. Other people doing great things doesn't take away from him. It makes him even happier. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest anav. Because 
he was the greatest person in Klaishul. If he wanted to, if he looked around and says, am I better than other people? Then he would be the happiest person. He would say, okay, no need to grow anymore. I'm better than everyone else already. But he became the greatest person who ever lived because whenever he looked around, he didn't look around to say, oh, I'm better than other people. He simply looked at himself and said, am I the best person that I can be? And therefore, he was never done. He never looked around and said, okay, I can stop growing. I'm better than everyone else. He always looked at himself and says, yeah, I still have to be better than I was yesterday. I still have to become more. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest person who ever lived. And he was the greatest Rebbe who ever lived because a great Rebbe wants his Talmudim to be great. He doesn't want to be better than other people. He wants to be the one who enables other people to become great. And that's the greatness of an Anav. No competition whatsoever. And that's the depth behind our idea of Olam Haba. The Ramchal explains so beautifully in Derech Hashem, in the first Chayel, and in Astvunos, number 28, that Olam Haba is not just what you built in this world, it's based on how much effort you put in. It's based on how much you maximized your potential. It's not unfair, it's not like everyone just gets what they earned and people are born with different potentials, different opportunities. Your job in life is to take the potential, the starting point, the opportunities that you were given and to become the very best person that you can be. And the joy of Olam Haba, as we explained, is the potential that you've actualized. It's the person that you've become. The pain is seeing exactly what you should become. It's to experience what it would have been like to be a tzaddik, to become the person that you were meant to be. And that's the deep idea that Vilna Gon explains behind the Gemara that says that when you go to Olam Haba, one Malach is going to say, where is your mitzvot? The other Malach is going to say, where is your virus? And the third Malach is going to say, where is your Torah? And the Vilna Gon explains that third Malach, you're going to recognize him, because he's the Malach who taught you kol Torah in the womb. He's going to say that you were once perfect. You were once the person that you were meant to be. But you lost it so you can come into this world and earn it yourself. Now where is it? Did you build it yourself? Did you build it yourself? Now you have to realize, we'll just say this one more time, jealousy doesn't make any sense. You can't be jealous. If you realize that you were given everything that you need in order to become the person that you were meant to be, what other people have is irrelevant. What other people are accomplishing is irrelevant. But even more importantly, we're all part of the same team. Would a no-cell be jealous of an ear-cell? No, they're part of the same body. So you can't be jealous of someone else. We're all part of the same team. And if you understand that, you understand you were given exactly what you need, and that you are unique, but that your uniqueness is part of a whole bigger body. I mean, the human body would be a perfect muscle. That each cell is unique, but each cell melts into the bigger whole. It's part of a bigger whole. You are an individual, and your uniqueness blends and melts into the bigger whole of cholesterol. You have to be unique, but your uniqueness needs to become part of something bigger than yourself. Now, before we move on to our next topic, and our next year, let's just take a step back and try to really understand the relationship between you, a mind, a consciousness, an awareness, a soul, a neshama, which there's a lot of different ways of explaining that idea, and your character, which would include your body, your emotions, your intellect, all your different clothing, so to speak. You are an awareness. But you get to express yourself into the world or manifest yourself into the world through your body, through your character. So, for example, you can use your ability to think, to think thoughts, and you can express your thoughts through speech. 
where you can express your ideas and your thoughts through action. But you're basically taking your thoughts and you're expressing them out into the world. But you yourself are an awareness. You yourself are an neshama. And you have a character. But you're not a character. You're a neshama. So you were, before you were born, you were a neshama. You've lost access to who you were before you were born, to that consciousness. But you have all of these different aspects of you, and you have a character. You have a role to play in the world. But there's something very, very important, which is that you have to realize that you are not your role. Meaning, once you die, your role in this world dies, but you don't die. When you die, you leave your body, you leave your character, and you enter into the spiritual world. But you remain your awareness, your consciousness. You simply leave your character behind. So if people get, for example, people can get lost in their character. Let's take a person who's a basketball player. There was a case of a person who was playing a basketball game. He was a professional basketball player. And he twisted his leg and he fell on the court. And his coach came over to him and he, he said, it does not look good, buddy. And the player said, don't worry, I'll go to rehab, I'll be back in a couple months. And the coach said, no, no, listen, I've seen this injury, you don't come back from this injury. You're never playing basketball again your entire life. Now, if this basketball player thought he was a basketball player, that's who he was, a basketball player, now that he can no longer play basketball, he lost who he was. So he's nothing. That's extremely depressing. Imagine a person thinks that he is a wealthy person. That's who he is. And then he loses his money. So now he's lost his identity. He's lost his self. But you have to realize that your identity, yourself, needs to be beyond your character. That you are in the Shama, but you're in this world playing a role. And if you realize that you're in the Shama, you can never lose self-worth. You can never lose your identity. Because no matter what happens to you in the world, you are beyond that. You're within that. You're playing your role. But you're also beyond your role. There are really two different ways of getting lost in this world. The first case, is what happens to a lot of people, is that they don't know why they're here. They don't know their task. They don't know what their purpose in the world is. They don't know who they're supposed to be, what their unique role in this world is. But there's also a very interesting form of getting lost, which is getting lost inside your role, getting lost inside your tafkid, getting lost inside your character. When you forget that you are a neshama and you're playing a role, that you're also beyond your role, but that you think you are your character. For example, what's the most famous case of someone who got lost inside of his role? Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger played the Joker. It's a famous case. And he got so lost inside of his character that he lost sense of being Heath Ledger. He thought he was the Joker. And he went insane. And he couldn't sleep at night. And he actually overdosed on sleeping pills because he was going insane. But that's what happens when you lose focus and realize that you are supposed to be controlling your character but not letting your character control you. And that is one of the deepest ideas behind the Nisyonos, the challenges of the Avos. The Avos had different meanings. We developed them last year that Avram was chesed. Now what was Avram's challenge? To go beyond his role. Because a lot of his Nisyonos were going against the Mid of Chesed. He was forced to send Yishmael out of his house, to send Hagar out of his house. He was forced to Shecht Yitzchak, which went exactly against everything he stood for. What were Yaakov's challenges? Remember, Yaakov's Mida was Emes. Tiferes, which was balanced, we discussed as Emes. 
What is MS? MS is telling the truth. All of Yaakov's challenges were being dishonest. He had to buy the Bechor from Esav when Esav was in a state of insanity, when he was starving. He was forced to lie to Yitzchak. He was forced to be a trickster to Lavan. So Yaakov was forced to go against his Mida. And that's the ultimate challenge, is when you can say that Hashem gave me a role in this world, but that I can also sometimes go beyond my character to show that I'm not enslaved by it, but that I'm in control of it. That I'm using my character to serve Hashem. And that when sometimes, if Hashem gives me a challenge, an opportunity, that I have to sometimes go against that Mida, or against who I usually have to be, then I'm able to do that because I am not enslaved by it, but I control it. That's a very deep idea. One last concept which I want to discuss today, a little bit disconnected, but very much related to the idea of a self and different roles or the character of the self, is to realize that every person in the world has multiple roles. For example, one of your roles is your task in the world, what you're supposed to be contributing to the world. But a person has many different roles. So for example, a person might be a father, he might be a son, he might also be a brother and a friend, he might be an employee, he might also be an employer, he might be a teacher. People have very, very different roles, but they are a single self, they are an neshama, and they express themselves in many different ways, and people are very different in their different roles. So for example, if you're a husband, you might act very differently in that relationship which you have with your wife than the way you act in your relationships with your friends or very differently than you act in your relationships with your children or with your students or with your parents you have very different roles and in each role your job is to develop yourself and perfect yourself in that role the mistake some people make is that they only see other people in one way so for example you might get on the bus and see the bus driver as a bus driver. But he's much more than a bus driver. First of all, he's in, he's in Shama, he has a soul, he has a mind, a consciousness, but he's also a father probably, he's also a husband, he might also be a friend, he might also be a son. You have to realize that people are more than just a single role. You have to see people more than just through a single facet. For example, have you ever, let's say, seen your teacher in a public area, let's say you were at the mall, or let's say you were at a store, and you see your teacher, and it's kind of like a little awkward, because you see that person as a teacher, not as a person who does human things. So there was like a story of a kid who was one time in a mall, and he saw his teacher, and he said to his teacher, what are you doing here? I thought you were a teacher. And the teacher's like, yeah, I also shop. And he's like, what are all of those small students that you're carrying with you? And the teacher said, those are my kids. So the kid couldn't realize that the teacher wasn't just a teacher, but that every single person plays many roles. And it's also a very deep idea because Hashem also expresses himself in many different ways. So we're going to have to develop this later on in the series, but Hashem expresses himself as a father, as a husband. Hashem is, the, so to speak, married to Klai Yisrael. Hashem is also our Melech, he is the king. So Hashem expresses himself in many different ways. And we're going to have to talk about all different names of Hashem and how Hashem expresses himself in so many different ways. But each person is a self, he's an Hashemah, and he expresses himself through many different facets. Through your character and through all the different roles that you play in life. So the main conclusion that we have to really, really focus on for today is that you are an Hashemah. You don't have an Hashemah. Many people have this misconception that their neshama is going to go to Olam Haba. 
but they don't really invest their lives into that because they think their neshama is going to Olam Haba. But I don't know what my neshama is. Maybe my neshama goes up to Shemaim when I go to sleep, but I, you know, I'm just sleeping. But you have to realize you are in neshama. The way the, the Mepharshim talk about it is it's like taking off a coat, that you are a mind, you are a consciousness, you're an awareness. That is a soul. And that when you die, you are going to leave your body. And that your job in life is to use all the potential that you've been given to develop and perfect your character. To use your body, to use your role in this world, to use your character to express Hashem and to become the best person that you can be. To, to become your higher self, the person you once were in the womb. And to become the very best person that you can possibly be.